Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Embrace. So grateful that you have chosen to come and worship the Lord with us this morning. Please join me in saying our call to worship. It'll be on the screen behind me. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You are welcome to stand if you would like to as we worship. You can also stay seated. Assume whatever posture will help you best to worship. voice this morning, church. So you may be seated. Today is a big day. It is Christmas tide. It is New Year's Day all at once. And we are going to bring all of ourselves to worship this morning. If you are new here at Embrace, that means we're going to share both our gratitude and our lament with one another this morning. Whatever you're carrying that you're celebrating, feel free to share. But if you've come into the space heavy this morning, you are welcome to share that with your community and in honesty with the Lord as well. So we're going to take a few moments just to share with a nearby neighbor, and then we're going to um, reprise that song there. <laughs> Come back with verse 4 in the chorus so you'll know it's time to stop talking and join us with that. So spend just a few moments together.
different in this space. We're going to stay up here the whole time and stay on our little seats because that's a nice way to sit and sing. But you're welcome to assume whatever posture you'd like throughout the service. The altar is open to you the whole time if that is something that you would like to come and, and some space you would like to be in as well. But today is a big day, like I said. Christmas tide, New Year's, the rest of our Christian culture has moved on from celebrating Christmas. But we here in the church still have our Christ candle lit and central because Jesus has come and we are celebrating his incarnation, the fact that God put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson says. And we're going to continue to reflect and to celebrate and wonder together about how this incarnation shapes our lives and the world around us. And so we're going to do that this morning with not a sermon. I could have preached at you. Um, I think singing is a little more fun and celebratory, and today's a celebratory day. So we're going to have some reflective scriptures and thoughts and some extra songs today. Um, and that's partly because I think it helps us celebrate and also because I wanted to do more of all of the things today. Because today is not just New Year's Day. It is also the Sunday set aside to um, spend in gathered worship time reflecting about two specific Christian feast days. So in more highly liturgical traditions, um, there are feast days that people observe together in community that mark different um, special events or losses or um, wonderful things. All, all sorts of feasts exist in the Christian world. But it's another way of keeping Christian time and remembering together. And so even though we are not a highly liturgical tradition necessarily as the United Methodist Church, we have found together here in our life at Embrace that liturgy often helps us connect with deep places. And that liturgy gives us something to hold on to, a work to invest in together. And that's actually what the word liturgy means. It means the work of the people. And so it means when you show up here and we talk about liturgical things and, and we practice liturgy together, that you're not just sitting there receiving worship, but you are participating. You are doing the work of the people of God in remembering our story and declaring who our God is and celebrating the reality of his incarnation this morning. So we're going to talk about two of the feast days that are celebrated during Christmas tide. This is a short season, but a very celebratory season. It's 12 days long, starting on Christmas Day, so we're a little bit in the middle of it right now. And there are feasts most days, pretty much every day. And so two of them that are set aside to do together as a community in worship today are the Feast of the Holy Innocents and the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus. And so I know that's foreign language to a lot of us, and I'm going to just explain a little bit about each of those feasts today and then give us a chance to worship, to sing some more music that helps us to reflect on these themes so that we can really use our one Sunday of Christmas tide to celebrate together and to allow the glow and the light of Christmas tide to really kind of carry us into this new year together. So we are just going to have a, a different kind of space together this morning, but I hope that we will be able to create some space within ourselves as well to receive whatever it is the Lord wants to do in us today as we prepare to begin a new year together. So I want to go ahead and share just a little bit about this first feast. The Feast of the Holy Innocents is normally observed, if you're going to do it on the actual day, on December 28th. And this is a feast that reflects a truth I think a lot of us understand that celebration can be complicated. Does anybody agree with me Their Celebration can be complicated. Whether you are talking about the logistics, because not everything is going to go to plan ever, right? Or if you're talking about the relational dynamics, 
celebration can be complicated. Often we find ourselves celebrating, supposed to be having a good time, but also needing to hold space for grief because there's somebody who should be part of it that's not. And there's different reasons for that. But we all have had that experience of celebration that's complicated. And this particular feast day is very much that way. It allows us to hold intention, something really heavy and hard, with also the beauty of God at work in the Christmas story. And so some of you might um, know this story because we've talked about it in years past, but the um, Feast of the Holy Innocents is when we remember the slaughter of the innocents, which is a passage in Matthew 2. And the slaughter of the innocents is a terrible, devastating um, event that took place after King Herod decreed that all of the baby boys in Bethlehem, two years old and younger, should be killed. And he did that because of his own jealousy. So he heard from the Magi that a new king had been born, and based on what they told him, Herod guessed his age was two years or younger, and so he had all the baby boys in Bethlehem killed. And that is tragic, and that is ugly, and that is the darkness of the world. And so we remember that part of the story. We remember that early in Jesus' life, two years or younger, he and his parents were forced to become refugees. They were forced to escape to Egypt, to um, escape the bloodshed of, of the power-hungry Herod. And Jesus, the one who put on his flesh and blood, who came, who was incarnated to give his life for us, he was already, already being chased down by power and violence at the very beginning of his life. So that's what we remember when we remember the slaughter of the innocents. But we also remember the holy innocents, as we call them, that that's usually more Catholic language, the holy innocents, but those young lives that were, were shed because of um, this power-hungry king, right? We remember them, and in remembering, what we say together as the church is that we do not forget the cost of violence, and neither does our God, that we can honor these young lives, and as we remember their story, we also can make some space this morning to lament and to grieve needless blood that has been shed throughout the pages of history by gun violence and war and oppression of many different kinds. And so this particular story, this particular feast day, gives us an opportunity to recognize that even the Christmas story has gratitude and lament. Even the Christmas story has beauty side by side with ugliness. And the ugliness that is in this story is indeed very ugly, but it is not the only thing present in this story. We're going to hear a text. Tori is going to read it for us, and we're going to see over and over in this text the mighty hand of God at work, working to keep his promise. So let's hear the passage together and hold those realities in tension now. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. The word of God for the people of God. So in this passage, we see the providence of God as he partners with Joseph. Joseph hears from God in a dream, and Joseph obeys. 
we see that because Joseph takes the word of God seriously, he's able to preserve his son's life. And so the hand of God moves in this story to protect Jesus. And at the same time where we can be amazed that God protected Jesus, we can also be completely perplexed and completely overwhelmed by the reality that only Jesus was saved. It's unfathomable to think about the kind of loss that happened in this story. But this is when we must remember the promise. Advent was not so long ago. We talked all of Advent about walking the path of promise together. And the promise that we have been given in Jesus is that God himself would take on human flesh, would come and be incarnated, so that Jesus could lay down his life to save everyone. In this story, we see the one saved while everyone else perishes, but Jesus has come to reverse that, to be the one who lays down his life that everyone else might be saved. And so we see God at work fulfilling what the prophets have said. Three times in that passage, it said, and this fulfilled the prophets. And when we read that, we're supposed to see God keeping promises. God has had a plan all along, and he is keeping to it. So today, as we sit with this feast, as we remember this story, we realize that there is space for grief and lament and for remembering those that we ourselves have lost. But we also know in this feast day that there is room for proclaiming that oppression and violence and death-dealing practices do not have the final say. But the kingdom of our God and of his Christ has the final say. A kingdom full of shalom, a peace that is for everyone, full of thriving, and that it will have us all seated together one day at the heavenly banquet. That is the, the promise we are given and the vision we are walking towards, even when we sit with complicated stories like this one. And so this morning, I want to give us just some space. Some of you might be here this morning needing to have a little space to lament or to grieve as part of your Christmastide celebration. And if you don't need that space this morning, then feel free just to sing with us or to pray, maybe for someone in this room who does need that space. But we're going to sing some Christmas hymns that do a really good job holding those realities in tension. They don't shy away from the fact that life is messy and complicated, but they also really move us forward towards what we've been promised, towards the picture of what Jesus is going to continue to do when he returns to the earth. So let's worship together this morning. Whatever you need to do in your space over there, please worship with us. Shall he break for the slave? 
And I love that our congregation takes the time to just spend some time with the Lord. And so you may see some people coming up to kneel at the altar as they share with the Lord. You may see some people move around. Maybe they want to sit by themselves. When the time ends, um, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. And if you are like me, you might have learned it when you were five, and the words might be a little bit different. So I have to actually look at it so I don't get us off track. So you will know that that is the space that we will be moving into as we say that prayer together to end our time of prayer. So um, I will say a prayer for us as we lead into that time. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we get to hold the tension of the present and the not yet. I pray that this time, as we spend time with you individually, but collectively, that your presence, that your presence will just be so felt. In Jesus' name. My prayer is for those who are waiting on promises that they have not seen come to fruition yet. And the waiting is excruciating sometimes and incredibly lonely. May there be peace. My prayer is also for those for whom mental health is a struggle, a struggle that not everyone sees, for those um, for whom walking through the doors brings anxiety, for those are, who are caretaking and tired, for those who are carrying heavy loads. We pray peace. For those wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, where it feels like there's no end in that wrestle. God is not afraid of our questions. He does not shy away from our doubts. May you find truth and rest in truth today.
And finally, for those for whom hope has waned, and they seek and are searching for just a little bit of hope to get through. God, may your hope be so big today and tangible. We are blessed during this time to know that we get to pray a prayer that has been prayed and prayed and prayed that we are with the saints in this today. As we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tanya. So we're going to continue to hold that lesson with us, that even the Christmas story, even our celebration of Christmastide has space for the gratitude and the lament, the beauty and the broken, the wonder and the questions. But we're going to talk about the second feast day that is marked today on our calendar in the lectionary as well. And this is the feast of the holy name of Jesus. And so this particular feast does not have quite as much of that uh, tension as the, the feast of the holy innocence. This one is much more joyous and um, awe and wonder filled. But the name probably still sounds weird, right? The feast of the holy name of Jesus. Yeah, that's not language we use a ton, that we would worship the name of Jesus. Don't we worship the person, not the name? Isn't maybe that why that feels weird to us? Well, yes. But in the Bible, name is so much more than just the title that we call someone. When the Bible talks about the name of God or the name of Jesus, we're meant to understand that name as encapsulating the whole character of who God is, his nature, his truest nature. That's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer like we just did, and we say that we want the name of God to be hallowed, what we're really saying is that we want God's truest nature, the essence, the being of who he really is, to be known and worshipped throughout the world. And so that's what we say when we celebrate the holy name of Jesus, that we want to celebrate the person of Jesus, who he is. We want the world to know his person, and that's why we worship his holy name. And so in knowing his person, we also recognize that his name itself is a promise, right? We keep coming back to that path of promise. Jesus' name very simply means God saves. And in his name, we have the promise of redemption. We see God's heart for his creation, and we know why he chose to come among us. So Jesus' name itself is a promise. And so it's no wonder that when we read the scripture assigned for this feast day, there's again some words of fulfillment. This particular scripture that we've been given takes us back to the Christmas story. And we're back with the characters of the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. And we are meant to reflect in this time on this feast day about the worship that the shepherds brought to Jesus. We're supposed to bring the same kind of worship and wonder. We're meant to treasure up the gospel of Jesus in our hearts, just like Mary treasure, treasured everything in her heart. So let's hear this scripture together now. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. The word of God for the people of God. 
That last verse, on the eighth day, he was given the name that had been given by the angel before he was conceived. That's that fulfillment right there. We're meant to see that Jesus' name is a promise that has been set aside for us before time began. We're meant to see that the angel spoke what it would be and it has come to pass. The promise is on track, right? It has come in Jesus. And so when we worship the holy name of Jesus, we are acknowledging, again, that our God is a promise keeper. He has made a promise and he has kept it in sending Jesus to be among us. The Isaiah passage that's assigned for today says that our God saves not from a distance, but in the midst of his people with his very own presence. And that is the reality of Jesus. And so is that God not worthy of our worship? Is the holy name, the person, the promise of Jesus not worthy of our worship? Even when there's still evil in the world. Especially when we feel the weight of the evil in the world. And so this morning we're going to sing a couple more songs that will just give us space to worship Jesus for who he is. His person, his character, his holy name. And I'd invite you this morning, whatever you're feeling, whatever you have going on in your own relationship with the Lord, maybe there's a block there for you. Maybe you've been feeling numb for a really long time. Maybe just turn your hands open on your lap as a posture to receive from the Lord and allow your worship to be something he uses this morning to heal you. I believe he meets us and he does that. So let's worship together.
take communion together as one of our first acts of the new year. And as we come to the communion table together, we come with the tension of gratitude and lament and worship and sadness, wonder and questions. But we also come knowing that Jesus is our Lord and that he is good and that he is able to walk with us into this new year. And as we come to the communion table this morning, as we share of this feast, we get to do it as a reminder again of the promise that we are headed towards new creation where we will all share in what is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. And you guys, that is going to be the least complicated kind of celebration we have ever known. It will be all joy and all peace. There's not going to be any dysfunction. There's not going to be any crying or tears or pain. 
That is what we're walking towards, and it's what we taste every time we share this feast together. And so the beautiful thing the lectionary did today in giving us scriptures to celebrate New Year's Day was it gave us the Revelation passage we've already read twice this Advent. But it's so important. It's a beautiful passage meant to capture our imaginations and tether our feet to the path of promise. And so we're going to hear it one more time this morning before we take communion. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. These words are trustworthy and true. We start a new year this morning. It's a whole new opportunity to fix our eyes on what is really real. This promise that we've been given, the way that God is already bursting through the cracks in the darkness, right? To speak his light, to speak his life. All around us this year, we are invited to look and to see where all things new is already creeping in. We're invited to be part of it creeping in. We're invited to keep our hearts anchored here to this promise. And so as we take communion together this morning, I'm going to pray with us, for us, that this is going to empower us. That this feast, this body and this blood of Jesus is going to be the nourishment that we need to hold tight to this promise as we start a new year. So will you bow your heads and pray with me as we come to share this feast? Gracious Father, we just thank you so much for the Christmas story, for this celebration of Christmas tide, for the reality that celebration even of your son's birth is still complicated. That Jesus, when he put on flesh and blood, experienced everything that we experience, all the suffering, all the pain, he too became a refugee. He too was a victim of violence. God, help us to know that Jesus has open arms this morning and he has room for us and everything we bring with us, all of our experience. He knows it. He understands. And God, I pray that as we come to the table this morning to share of the body and the blood of Jesus, that you would allow this to be for us a source of nourishment and power and encouragement that we might walk into a brand new year anchored to the promise of your new creation, to the promise of all things new. God, would you help us to hold the words that we've heard this morning from scripture as trustworthy and true? Would you help us to hold on to you as you are already holding on to us? I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice and that they would be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might receive them and become beacons of your light to a weary and waiting world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and take it together if you want to peel off the top layer. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you. We're going to end our time together this morning by singing one more song. This might just be my favorite of them all. And I think it's a good one to stand for. If you'd like to stay seated, please do. But if you would like to stand, we're going to join in singing a song called Is He Worthy? And this is a song that asks questions and has a part for you. So the ladies over here are going to sing your part. Please sing with them. I'm going to ask if we know the world is broken. And you're going to say, we do. But we are also going to proclaim in this song this morning that Jesus is our worthy Lord and we are headed towards a creation where all things are made new.
So let's join in worship together. As we have declared truth together this morning, let us carry it into a new year. I'm so grateful to have started mine together with you this morning. 
Just a couple of announcements. If you are new here or would like to share your information or check one of like eight other boxes, all great options. Fill out a connect card. They're in your pew. It's the blue card. You can place a filled out connect card with a prayer request on the back too. Um, if you would like to, in either of the boxes at the back or the side, that is also where you would place a monetary gift this morning. If you want to give one in person, you can also always do that online at embraceyourcity.com slash give. The main announcement this week is look at the announcement handout. It's always there and handy on the welcome table. And there's like a week of rest. No youth group, no gathering. We will not be here tomorrow night or Wednesday night. Continue to rest this week. Start the new year gently. Be gentle with yourself. And we will be back to a normal schedule next week. I invite you all to prepare yourselves to receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.